Before I read the sermon text, Psalm chapter 22, I just want to share some things from my heart that I was uh, recognizing that uh, there would be communion this morning here at Faith Church. There was a communion over at Lamira Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church in, in Sumter, South Carolina. And I recognize that this was a, a passage that Pastor John used several weeks ago. And I am not uh, Pastor John Irwin, but uh, I am here to serve and to minister for the glory of God. It will not be similar to what was done several weeks ago, but I hope it will cause us to think and to live in a biblical, Christ-like way. As we encounter different things in terms of the way that uh, we are living, it is good for us to come and say, Lord, teach me. Restore to me my salvation. And out of the difficulties and some of the hard things that happen, teach me to, as we have sung earlier, and I'll make reference a little bit during the sermon, that we are to give thanks in everything, whether we're eating or drinking or whatever it is, we are to do it all for the glory of God. So with that in mind, I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 22. Familiar passage, but one that is worthy of our repetition. Writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, David gives to us these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths or faces at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you who are he who took me from the womb, you made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. 
you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. And then this transition, verse 22 and following. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in all of him. All you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of our God is eternal. Let us pray again, please. Lord God, I do pray and ask that you would take the words of my mouth, but more importantly, the meditation of all of our hearts, and may they be acceptable in your sight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago, there was a school teacher who asked their students to make a list of things that they were most happy or thankful for. And one male student listed glasses. And when asked, well, why did you list glasses as being the thing that you're thankful for? He replied, it would uh, keep the bullies in my class, the boys, from hitting me, and it would keep the girls in my class from kissing me. It was something that this young man was thankful for. 
It was the philosopher Eric Hoffer who said, and I quote, the hardest arithmetic to master is that which enables us to count our blessings. We sing in our hymnal, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Sometimes we take things for granted. We're like the, the many lepers, the ten lepers that Jesus healed, and they ran off and only one of the ten came back and said thank you. The title for what I'm going to consider tonight, as listed in the sheet before you, is Think and Thank. Many times we get caught up in things that are happening. We get into the, you know, the urgency of the tyranny of the urgency. And a lot of times we need to just kind of wait upon the Lord and be renewed and mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. But are we willing in the midst of our busy, busy, busy days to wait upon the Lord. Think and thank. Think and thank can be a spiritual dynamite in our lives. And the underlying principle that I'm seeking to convey to us from Psalm chapter 22 is that the word of God reminds us, not just in this chapter, but throughout the word of God, that basically surrender leads to victory. Defeat leads to triumph. Trouble to thanksgiving. Think with me, if you will. And hopefully we will be a people that are thanking God from whom all blessings flow. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father, our triune God. I want to look at this aspect, basically looking at three areas. First of all, looking at the perspective that the human author, David, expresses by himself here in this psalm. And then secondly, looking at the perspective that it is an expression here in the Old Testament of God's Son. Hopefully, we're picking up some references as I was reading. And then thirdly, its application. How do we take the word of God through the human author David and the word of God through the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ, some several thousand years later, and how does it apply to us? Let's look at that together, please. The first is, we see David here in this passage expressing some of the trouble, and we should be reminded of the first statement here in chapter 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed... What did he do? He prayed. 
And part of that prayer is, Father, I would rather not drink this cup that you have determined for me to drink. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And one of the statements that Jesus spoke from the cross as he hung there, not for anything he had done or not done, but what you and I have done and the way that we are living as a result of our sinful condition, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David, a thousand years before this encounter at the cross, has a reference, a prospect of the violent death that he would encounter. David makes references to the first part of this psalm and describing that he would be surrounded by taunting enemies. He experienced something that you and I will never experience. He was experiencing and going to experience violent death, perhaps. He was exhausted and starving. You know, the first part of this chapter, primarily verses 1 through 21, is a record of the agony that David was experiencing in his life. But then, as I said earlier, in verse 22, we have a transition from the agony that God allowed his son, or King David, I should say, he expresses thanks. If you look at some of the uh, verses here in 22 and following, he says, in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. It was a po- it's a positive statement. And you say, well, 21 verses are kind of negative, but they're an expression from his heart about some of the difficulties that he was experiencing. And he's expressing them to God, even to the point of saying, my God, why are you forsaking me? But then he uses that aspect of his life and transitions into the aspect of giving thanks and bowing down. It's not either or, but it's both. We see reflected in these verses of Psalm chapter 22. It is not just, okay, trouble, and maybe thanks. No, it's both wrapped up in this particular chapter psalm this psalm records both together and this gets back to the underlying principle that i mentioned earlier that the christian life involves struggle we've all experienced that but in the midst of that struggle that we encounter and god allows it to happen in our lives do we say lord This is an opportunity for me to give thanks, even though it's hard. (laughs) I thank you that I am worthy. 
to be your servant in this situation, in this difficulty. Trouble can lead to thanksgiving. Secondly, we also see reflected in this psalm that it vividly portrays the work of Christ. In many ways, this psalm is a prophetic parallel, the life of David with the life and death of Christ. As I said earlier, the opening verses are a reflection of a statement that Jesus cried out from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Johnny Erickson Tata, he experienced, you know, a broken neck diving in her teenage years. When she was going through that therapy and, and all that experience of recovery and so forth, a friend said to her as she was groaning and as she was complaining more or less, he said to her, Johnny, remember that Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, is the most forsaken man who ever has lived on this earth. And Jesus Christ was willing to bear his sin, our sin, upon himself at the cross. During these hours of agony leading up to the cross and hanging on the cross, this psalm is a reflection of the crucifixion of what Christ experienced. He did not have to, but God so loved this world that he gave us his one and only son, so that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. He died, was placed in a tomb, and as I said earlier, that tomb is empty, and there is victory out of death. There is victory, triumph, because Jesus is alive. And he is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And what is he doing? He is praying for the cares, the concerns, the hurts, the trouble, the difficulty that we encounter. It's interesting to recognize that there are three phrases having to do with the church. Verse 22 through 24, my brothers in the congregation... Verses 25 through 29, a great assembly. And the last couple of verses, 30 and 31, there is a future generation. In the agony of the cross, what David is reminding us is that the people of God are to think. And not to take things for granted, but they are to thank that God, you love me enough, that you were willing to send your one and only son into this world so that I might live and live abundantly, that I might live eternally. Jesus said in John chapter 17, and this is the definition of eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do we know? Jesus Christ, not just, oh, yeah, he's my Lord and my Savior, but rather I am willing to serve and minister in his name.
This brings me to the third aspect, its application. There is victory in the cross. Have we thoroughly thought through the amazing love of God? We say the words, but that Jesus Christ loved us enough that he was willing to endure the agony, the pain, the judgment of God that we deserve. That's why sometimes I say when people ask, how are you doing? I usually respond, better than I deserve. I deserve to be in hell. The wages of sin is death. But I praise God that God so loved me that he was willing to send his son to die in my place. Jesus Christ was willing to die. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die, should die for me? I'm not repeating something you're not familiar with, I trust. But let me take it another level. Many of you come, have come to a place of that personal relationship, and it is a relationship. It's not a religion, but it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You understand that, I believe. But do you realize that there are some responsibilities? Jesus put it this way, for, for instance, in Luke chapter 10. He said to his disciples, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. In Luke chapter 14 and 24, 7, excuse me, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Or Luke 9, 23, 25. For whoever, listen, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Think and thank. Think of the great love wherewith God so loved you. And thank God from whom all blessings flow. Do not just be thankful because of, you know, the bennies or the, the benefits that you receive. You can point to this or that, but even when the chips are down, give thanks, even for the small things. <clears throat> in sixteen, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> in sixteen thirty-seven, in Ellenburg, Saxony, which is over in Germany, 
It was a, during a period of a time of a 30-year war. And many, many people, soldiers especially, but people as well, by virtue of the war, by virtue of disease, and all the rest. From what history tells us, some four and a half million to eight million soldiers were, were killed during that period of time. There was one Lutheran pastor there in Ellenburg, Saxony, named Martin Rinkert, R-I-N-K-A-R-T. And in his journal of 1637, he indicated that over a period of time, especially that year, he conducted some 4,500 funerals. On one particular day, it was something like uh, 40 or 50 during that day having funerals. And in the midst of that disease time, in, that midst, in, that, in the midst of the smell of the disaster and so forth, he had the ability to write down some of the words that are recorded uh, in our hymnal. On page 556, if you want to follow it, these words, Now thank we, all our God, with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. O may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in the grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. All praise and thanks to God, the Father now be given, the Son and him who reigns with them in highest heaven, the one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore. For thus it was, is now, and shall be forevermore. Normally we sing that hymn during the times of thanksgiving. It's right to do so. But the context of this, these words were in the midst of a 30-year war. In the midst of the difficulty that these people experienced, this Lutheran pastor was willing to write the poem of thanksgiving. May we be a people that in the midst of these days of a lot of change, we come before the God who loves us even before the foundation of the world, even before we were born. And hopefully we are thinking and thanking God 
that why do you love me? I don't understand, I don't comprehend, but I praise and give thanks. That God, all things work together for good, for those that love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. And what is your purpose? There in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that we might be conformed to be like our Savior. Let us pray. Lord God, I thank you that we can praise you as we've done already in the doxology. May it be more than just the words that we say or sing. But I pray and ask that these would be words that are fleshed out in our lives on a daily basis, not just here on Sunday, but but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 24-7. May Jesus Christ be the one who is preeminent, not just in words, but in actions. Help us, I pray, as we sing this last hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you that you are willing to deal with stubborn, stiff-necked people who want our own way. And you call that iniquity there in Isaiah 53, 6. Thank you that it was laid upon the one who took our place. May we give thanks as we are reminded 